arts are everywhere and in everything. And there's a fascinating, unique person and story behind each one. And that's what the Arthropologist is all about. Exploring the arts, one unique person and one unique story at a time. I'm Bill Wilson, and I'm the Arthropologist. Dave, welcome to the Arthropologist. Thank you so much for coming on my show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I mean, I really do appreciate it. I stumbled on your show a couple of years ago. I've interviewed Rick 9G mm-hmm. and uh, Landum, I think it's Kathy, um, with Landum Goes There. Um, oh, love both those channels. They're oh, so good. Oh, my gosh. They're great. And, and Landum's a fellow Mississippian, so I was just so tickled yeah. with that. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I stumbled on your show. YouTube kept suggesting it. And uh, I thought, you know, these other two shows are so great. I wonder what this guy could possibly add that wouldn't just be redundant. And I was just blown away. I mean, you've got your own take, your own world, and it is so fantastic. And I like how you talk about that you consider yourself a cultural historian. (laughs) And I appreciate that so much because you'll be mentioning things like Calvin and Hobbes and the Frank Frazetta painting that was paintings that were done for Battlestar Galactica. And you talked about those paintings like you really knew and understood Frank Frazetta, who's a big hero of mine. So, um, yeah, yeah. I just I want to tell my listeners that if you really love not just movies and television, but all of the culture that's going on, everything about from the 50s all the way up to the 80s this is a show you gotta watch well that's kind of you to say uh you know what i have nothing but the fondest of memories of those there's something about and i recognize that i think we all kind of look through rose-colored lenses when we think about the past and but there's something about particularly when things are hectic and there's chaos all around us to just kind of wax a little nostalgic for a little bit and you know, you talk about Frank Frazetta, holy crap, that guy, I mean, growing up, it felt like his artwork was everywhere. And I immediately recognized his work when I saw those images in TV Guide. And actually, uh, I believe one of his images ended up on the cover of, I think it was the second Battlestar Galactica novelization. I think so. Yeah. Were were you reading Creepy and Eerie at the time? uh, I was reading Creepy and Eerie at the time. I couldn't afford it. So what I would do is I would ride my bike back then in in good old Davis County in Utah. Uh, Kids could still ride their bikes up to, you know, mile, mile and a half without worrying about traffic, those kind of things. Those days are long gone. But uh, ride my bike up to the Rexall Drugstore on Main Street in Bountiful. And they had a massive spinner rack full of comic books, as well as a great magazine section. And God bless those souls there. They were just the most wonderful people because they would let me hang out and read the magazines. I mean, I'd spend an hour, hour and a half there walk away without spending a cent and never once did anyone say anything to me about, you know, Hey, you, you need, you need to buy something. 
I treated yeah. it like a library because the library didn't have those magazines, famous oh, monsters cool. of Filmland and all those magazines that you know, mad magazine. I would, that's where I would read because mad wasn't allowed in the home, by the way. So I would have to catch mad magazine at the Rexall drug, but good times, lots of great memories. Yeah. I was, um, you know, by profession right now, I've, I've been an artist for yeah. like 35 years and I work part-time in the movie industry. And, uh, you know, now I was born in 1962. If you don't want to tell your exact age, then you're, you're a little bit younger than me, aren't you? You're two years older than me. Two years. Okay. Okay. So you and I really came up very mm -hmm. much in the same way. And I will tell you, if you and I had known each other back then, we would have been brothers at arms. I mean, I grew up very rural. I grew up in the country. Our nearest neighbor was a mile away. Wow. Our school, my graduating class was 30. So <laughs> uh, our entire school, K through 12, was 230 people. You, you were a little more rural than me, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but I knew no one who loved TV, movies the way I did. And, you know, relate to me a little bit, you know, if someone had told me that one day I would be working not only as an artist and illustrator, but in the movie industry um, and sometimes side by side with some fairly famous actors, I'd have said, you're just, you're crazy. No way. <laughs> and you're kind of in the same boat. I mean, you're you're interviewing i just watched your is it judy norton yeah yeah yeah, yeah i just judy watched your interview with her uh with the from the waltons and so you're now rubbing shoulders with people that if someone had told you dave one day you're going to be talking with judy norton and he's like no way yeah what's that what's that feel like uh, it's, it's fun, right? That's a, a great feeling. Uh, Judy Norton was what a kind lady. Uh, and I had all sorts of issues that day. We, our internet went down right before the uh, time of that interview. And I actually did that interview. It's amazing to me that we were able to pull it off through zoom on my using my phone. So using cell phone service. Uh, and it turned out okay, uh, but she's just so kind and gracious. Uh, I'll tell you the one that really boggled my mind, though, was Richard Klein, uh, who played Larry on Three's Company. Yes. Uh, when I was given his information and told that he had seen the video that I'd done on him, and I had, uh, and that he was interested in allowing me to to visit with him and put it on video. Uh, I, that just blew my mind because I loved Three's Company growing up. Again, it was another show we didn't initially watch. My parents had some concerns about it. I grew up in a very conservative home. Uh, but uh, later on, uh, it became standard viewing fare for me. And I loved the not just the, the main actors, but I really recognized uh, Richard Klein's work in that show. He was so funny as Larry Dallas. And of course, the great Don Knotts. There are just so many wonderful, uh, you know, actors that weren't the core three, which was always John Ritter, uh, Joyce DeWitt and someone else. But, uh, you know, th those feelings, you, you go back to the, your initial question about how do I, you know, how would I, I never could have imagined it first off. I didn't think that was in the cards for me. 
but I think it, like, it says a lot about the of technology, right? The the way technology has eliminated a lot of the barriers that were once there. Uh, I think the fact that we can get on Zoom and you know visit today, you and I, Bill, but we can equally do that with someone like a Judy Norton is just phenomenal. And what you discover is that these people are exactly that. They're human beings. They're people just like you and I. They, every day they deal with the same things that we deal with. And uh, they're, they're wonderful people to visit with. Uh, if, I never imagined it, but I, I enjoy it. I enjoy what I feel grateful. I feel grateful for what, not just technology, but to call out, uh, you know, a tool uh, company. I, I love YouTube. Uh, <laughs> I was an early adopter way back in 2005 when it came out. I, I cried a little bit when Google bought it uh, because I was worried about what it would become, but they have been great stewards and custodians of that technology and really have uh, created this environment where people like you or me or Rick Ninji or Landum C, we can become voices and tell stories and bring together communities. And that's what I have loved more than anything else. I've always loved making videos. I, from way back in the 90s, I was assembling videos uh, on, you know, with an old camcorder. But what YouTube and what technology allows us to do today, which is just beyond anything that I ever could have possibly imagined, is it allows us to bring together communities. And, you know, you talk about us being brothers from another mother. Well, that's exactly what, you know, I've got 125,000 people, not all of them <laughs> are exactly like me, but, but there's something about my videos that resonate with them and the stories that I tell in the videos. And that really, you know, I see it and read it in the comments that I get and you know, that are found underneath each of the videos. And I love responding to them and trying to foster that sense of community uh, because that's half the fun. The first half is definitely building the video, you know, the creative process. But the second half is, is sharing it and seeing how others respond to it. Right. Um, did uh, how many of your fans are mostly um, are most all of your fans Americans, or do you get fans that are from other parts of the world? Because American TV is, especially yeah. back in the '50s, '60s, that was TV for everybody. Yeah, demographics wise, uh, YouTube does a great job of telling me exactly who my audience is. And uh, about 70% of my audience is US, uh, US based. Uh, a lot of folks from uh, the United Kingdom. And interestingly enough, some, some folks in some of the Asian countries as well. And, uh, but what's most interesting to me is how uh, spot on, how specific my videos are for uh, the age of, of my viewers. Over, what is it, 90% of my viewers, people that have subscribed, not just subscribed, but actually just view the videos, over 90% of them are over the age of 45. 
Wow. So, yeah, I, that's a good thing because that helps me to understand, you know, okay, this is the topics I need to talk about, which is why I focused on uh, music movies and mostly TV between the fifties and the eighties, but also uh, it, it tells me what not to talk about. And, and, and that's a good thing because I really don't know a heck a lot about television over the last decade or so. I really don't like it that much. Right. Well, you know, I wanted to mention about your presentation style and, you know, I love the fact that it's very laid back. It's very, um, it's just fun and soothing. Uh, but I appreciate that you don't steer away from some subjects that can be uh, more adult, like the, the um, I can't remember who it was, but the uh, sort of teenage actor who she became working some in the periphery of the adult film industry. Uh, you got, is it Linnea or Linnea Quigley? Linnea Quigley is a B-movie horror actress. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you know, her stuff kind of tawdry, but yeah. um, you handle it in such a way that it's not salacious, but you don't steer away from the fact that you know, they were dealing with adult-ish content. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you, sort of balance between not being too bubblegum, but then again, not just going over the top? Yeah, I don't know if I strike a good balance. Sometimes I get people getting after me for that, but uh, <laughs> I, I really, I just try to tap into how I was feeling, and and when you're. You know, if you go back to how you're feeling when you're 15, 16, 17, maybe, maybe early 20s with some of this stuff, it, uh, it isn't salacious. <laughs> uh, there's still a bit of naivete I think we all had when we were that age, right? We're not as grizzled and world weary as we are now and skeptical yeah. about a lot of things. And so Absolutely. they approach it with that lens. And there's a lot of joy in someone like Linnea, who, by the way, I mean, just an incredible person. Let's focus on the positive traits of someone like Linnea, who is literally a workaholic, has worked her butt off for the last uh, 30 years, 30 plus years uh, since becoming a semi-celebrity in terms of B-movies and, you know, different types of low budget, sometimes C-movie horror films. Right. He continues to work hard. She goes to the uh, all the nostalgia events, the Comic-Cons, the Horror Fest. And she, everybody that visits with her, they feel special. She makes them feel special. She recognizes that that's part of, as much of her job as appearing in, you know, the, the latest Splatter Fest horror film. And, and that's what I tend to focus on. I try to look at the positives there. I mean, you could easily come at Linnea or another one that I've been tempted to do is Julie Strain. What a story. Another amazing B-movie horror actress was on the cover of Heavy Metal Magazine, magazines like that. Uh, oh, my gosh. Could, if uh, Just talking about Julie Strain, if uh, especially as an artist, you know, she just appeared in everything sci-fi yeah. every every sci-fi uh painter fantasy painter 
right. they had to have Julie Strain yeah. as her as their model for at least one painting. Yeah, yeah. And but if you could approach her story two different ways, right? Right. And uh, I take pride in the fact there's an easy way to get views on YouTube. And that's to get really salacious, get really, really clickbaity and, and go down the path of it's the path of least resistance with these videos in this particular niche. And I, and I am proud of the fact that I've resisted that. That doesn't mean that I'm not tempted if I can think of a really good, you know, title to give a video that I know is compelling and will intrigue people and, and want, you know, I, that doesn't mean I'm not tempted to use that, but there's always a little bit, there's Jiminy Cricket on my shoulder saying, Hey, you know what? Tone it back just a little bit. Maybe, maybe you'll only end up with, you know, 5,000 views instead of 25,000 views on this video. But those views will be the quality views. Those views will be the ones that, uh, you know, the people that you want to be watching this video. And, and, and so it's just that it's taking that, you know, there's a choice every creator makes, whether it's painting, writing a novel, anything, which path are you going to go down? What lens and who, and what do you want someone to feel after they're done consuming whatever the, I, I don't, product is you're creating. I was going to say art. I don't know if I'm going to call my videos art, but the product you're creating, right? And 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 that's a conscious effort on my part. Right. Um, in, in, in lines with this, the whole tone of your program, it seems to be you know, really brimming with optimism um, and, and looking for the positive side. Uh, is that sort of your personality? You're just sort of a positive person? Uh <laughs> That's aspirationally who I want to be, Bill. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, there's you. You talk to my family, and they're going to tell you that there's moments where I'm pretty darn grumpy. I like to tell my wife that I get sweeter as the day goes on. But uh, <laughs> you know, I well, go ahead. Thinking about you know watching these old movies and old TV shows, and looking back in the past, knowing now what you know about the people and their circumstances does it tarnish sometimes your feelings watching the old shows it's like you know you look and you think maybe that person passed away and not the best circumstances or you know their life just didn't go down a good path how do you sort of like you know how the sausage was made now yeah how do you keep from allowing that to sort of tarnish your enjoyment watching these old things i've always tried to at least for as long as i could think about things this way i've always tried to separate the end product the movie the television show whatever the actors the characters they play from the real human beings that created them right i've uh, at an early age i'd say you know at least in my late teens i recognized that they that that was not real and the characters they were playing were simply that characters i think one of the things that we i talk about this sometimes with comment and comments with my community members is that you know they are not the characters they play as much as we want john and paunch on chips to get along in real life 
if Larry Wilcox and Eric Estrada aren't the best of buddies, it's okay because they worked on a show for you know six seven years together and then they've gone their separate ways it was a job and they haven't you know they may see each other once a year at a chips reunion but uh, we want them to be the have the friendship and to be exactly like the characters they play on television and and i guess that's a little bit of human nature but it just isn't reality so going back to your question i mean a perfect example is aaron moran played Joni cunningham on on happy days what a hard life she led afterwards. Not all of it due to her own choosing, right? Uh, she had a tough, actually, family life, the way she was brought up. Uh, then there were some difficult marriages. They obviously got involved in some things afterwards in terms of particular vices that didn't help at all. And she got older. She was no longer cute little Joni Cunningham. And Hollywood, the entertainment industry isn't always kind particularly the child actors. So as I'm watching Happy Days now, it doesn't impact that. If anything, when I see Aaron Moran on the screen playing Joni, there's a sense of admiration for her knowing what she went through afterwards and knowing the struggle and knowing how valiantly she uh, held her head high and, and continued to soldier through. Uh, you know, she's gone. She, whether her, some of her actions led to her early passing, you know, that's debatable. I mean, ultimately it was a, a form of cancer, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, and you can point to things that she might've done that helped bring that on, exacerbate her situation. But, you know, I look at her as someone that was uh, strong and, and, and definitely we, and recognizing that as human beings, we all make you know, good and bad choices. Right. She did the best that she could under those circumstances. And so now it doesn't impact. I, I don't I don't mind knowing how things played out with the actors. If anything, to me as a pop, something, I like to say something of a pop culture historian, Bill, uh, as something of a pop culture historian, I find it all the more interesting. And I think it adds a little bit more color and just for me, at least, interest to whatever I'm watching. Right. And I'll say, I really have become more fascinated with your coverage of the 80s and some of the 70s because I had, it took me a little while to wrap my head around the idea of the 80s being the classics. Because, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but then I sit back and think, well, wait a minute, I'm, I will be 60 this month. My son was born in 85, so he's he's uh, like 36 years old. And uh, so, yeah, to uh, you know, for me, the classics are the 50s and maybe the 60s. Uh, but, uh, you know, wrapping my head around that and then uh, like for me, the 80s, uh, that's one of my that's my favorite decade, really, in so many ways. And. But I didn't experience a lot of the 80s during the 80s because I was in college and then I got married. Um, and so I, like from 80 to 85, I didn't watch that much TV or see that many movies because I was either in college or working. But then when my son was born, he turns three in 88. 
all of a sudden, all of the 80s stuff, he starts watching, you know, the cartoons and things like that. And then in the early 90s, he's really into a lot of the 80s. And I see so much of that. And of course, in the late 80s, I was really watching a lot of TVs and movies. And I just, you know, that's one of the reasons I appreciate your show so much as you spotlight it. And also, I'm doing a plug for your show because I want to tell people <laughs> I lived through the 60s, 70s, 80s. And I'm going to tell you, there are people doing shows that they'll say, well, this is what was going on in the 80s. It's like, what planet were you on in the 80s? Because right. that wasn't the way it was. <laughs> um, or it'll be like this little niche. If you were in Soho, New York, yeah, maybe that's what they were doing. But the rest of us weren't. Right. And watching your program, it's just like, he was there. I was there. That. That's that's really yep. it, and it's so wonderful. Um, well, mission accomplished, then. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I want to uh, ask you about like some of what's going on now or has been in the past 15, 20 years. What do you think about remakes and reunion shows? You know, some have been, in my estimation, real successful, others not. I'll give you some examples like Maverick with Mel Gibson. What did you think of that? Well, first off, before I forget, incredible bow tie, my friend. Oh, incredible thank you. bow tie. That bow tie rocks. I'm heading over to Amazon after we're done to see if that's, that's still available. <laughs> uh, so, Maverick, you're asking me about Maverick. So, I grew up on the old Maverick, uh, the black and white Western. My, it was one of my father's favorite Westerns. And so, he, I remember him telling me, oh, You got to watch Maverick. Maverick's great. And, you know, you had Roger Moore as one of the Maverick brothers. Yeah. Uh, along with James Garner. And who was the other guy? What was his name? Gene? Yes. I'm drawing. I remember. Uh, I'll think of it later. That's the way it works these days with the old noggin. Uh, but so I can't, when it, I approach most of these remakes and reboot with trepidatious optimism it's kind of the counteract with i'm worried and uh, i and i definitely was with maverick I, ultimately i thought that maverick was an okay movie I, I enjoyed it it's not something i've ever returned to i've i've watched it once uh, but it was it was a passable two hours and you know uh, had had a great cast i thought and and was well done now you so we're speaking western re remakes i disliked with immense immense uh, passion towards this feeling of it just what a missed opportunity the remake or reboot of wild wild west okay. uh, and it has nothing i know a lot of people took you know had issue with will smith being cast in the lead role i absolutely not Instead, it was just a missed opportunity to really, they didn't recapture the nostalgia of the old show. That feeling was where it was somewhat evident in Maverick, I thought. I didn't feel it at all in Wild Wild West. And I also know the backstory of the creation of that movie and the, how we ended up with a giant mechanical spider during the finals third of that film and uh, that was something the producer john peters had wanted in a superman movie and he didn't get yeah. so he demanded it when they did wild, wild west what about the adams family 
I enjoyed those. I yeah. enjoyed the yeah. Adams Family movies. I thought they, again, were on. If you're faithful to your core concept and you're able to tap into the nostalgia, you know, enough, I think those are enjoyable. Am, am I very worried about Rob Zombie's upcoming The Monsters movie? Yes. But I hear he's a fan, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I've been keeping up with that with Rick 9G, and yeah. I'm just sort of vacillating back and forth. Um, I didn't mind some of the movies that you uh, talked about as much. Um, I was really disappointed with Scooby-Doo, uh, with Sarah Michelle Gellar. I yeah. thought that was just such a cynical, just <laughs> bad. I just didn't like it. Um, have you seen Being the Ricardos? That, yes. that biopic? What did you think of that? So... I reviewed it, actually. I, there's a video on my channel where I talk about that one. For the most part, I admired it. Uh, I thought it was uh, well-made. I recognized that it wasn't, it was a, a dramatization of certain things. I was, I scratched my head. I liked it, but I, I scratched my head and was somewhat skeptical about the close relationship that they depict Lucille Ball having with William Frawley love the idea that he was a close confidant and, and dispensed all those words of wisdom to her, but I'm not quite sure that's actually uh, how it, how it played out. I do have a, a, a nitpick uh, and I've, I think I mentioned it in the video and I'll talk about it right here, which is you're trying to attract a particular audience, uh, a target demographic uh, with something like being the Ricardos, uh, which is, uh, again, folks that remember I Love Lucy, either when it originally aired or through the decades of reruns, since it's you know been playing on almost every uh, major market in the U.S. since that time. But uh, I just I struggle with the the profanity. I, I think there's a better way to do those things. And and again, it, it, certain movies. If you if you feel it's appropriate and it's the right thing, go for it. But I I feel like that audience probably didn't need as as much in it as as that movie had. And you know, it was yeah. one I couldn't rec recommend. I mentioned that I came from a very conservative home, and one I couldn't recommend to my 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 father, who may have had interest in watching it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree totally. Um, I want to watch our time. Uh, one of the things I wanted to do, sort of this is a lightning round. Okay. And um, I want to propose an episode of Super Friends. Okay. That you're guest starring in. And you've been kidnapped by a mad scientist. Now, he's mad, but he's not totally evil, just like... I was going to say, um, he's probably well-intentioned. There you go. There you go. Yeah. He has stranded you on a desert deserted island. Yeah. But... He's not leaving you totally desolate. So you can choose how you spend your days. Mm -hmm. All right. So here's your day. You can watch classic TV all you want, but you have to choose. Now, you're going to be on this island for 10 years. Oh, my gosh. You can watch every episode of I Dream of Genie or Bewitched. Mm. Oh, that's a rough one. <laughs> that is a rough one. I'm a huge fan of both shows. Um, I get more. I'm going to go. 
at the end of the day, I think I'm a bigger Barbara Eden fan than I am uh, uh, Elizabeth. What is Montgomery? Last? Montgomery, yeah, Robert Montgomery's daughter. Uh, I'm a bigger fan of Barbara Eden, but I think when it uh, push comes to shove, if I had to look at the shows in their entirety and the shows run and all the guest stars that were on both shows, I'd probably pick Bewitched just because, you know, you had Paul Lind, you had just all these wonderful, crazy relatives of Samantha that uh, showed up over the course of the seasons. And, and you also had as much as Larry Hagman was wonderful and Bill Daly was great in I Dream with Jeannie. I have a supreme soft spot in my heart for Dick York. Yeah. I just, knowing his backstory again, knowing the pain that man was in while he was making uh, Bewitched, knowing the crush that he had on Elizabeth Montgomery, who did not feel any sort of affection towards him. And he was married. He wasn't going to act on it, but he just felt this major affection towards her. Right. Uh, all of those things lead me to a long-winded way of answering your question. You said it was a lightning round. There's no such thing with me, Bill. Yeah. Uh, but lead me to say I'd go with Bewitched. All right. Here we go. The Munsters or the Adams Family? The Munsters. Munsters. There you go. Uh, the Rifleman or Branded? Both of you shut Connors. Yeah. Yeah. The Rifleman. Yeah. Batman or Green Hornet? Easy. Batman. Batman. Sanford and Son or Jefferson's Good Times? Jefferson's and Good Times. Really? And I, I love Red it. Fox. I love Red Fox, but I just have a lot of, again, it goes back to, I have, I probably enjoy Sanford and Son as much as I do Good Times and Jefferson's now, but I watched the Good, good Times and Jefferson's more as a kid. And so there's this nostalgia factor that comes into play. And, and when I watch TV nowadays, I don't know. Tell me if you do this, Bill. Sometimes as I'm watching these old timey shows and I'm watching, a, let's say, an episode of The Love Boat, I will all of a sudden have this epiphany and a memory of something that was going on in my life the same time I originally saw an episode. I'll remember yeah. who I was watching it with or something that was going on. And yeah. for that reason... Uh, this uh, Jefferson's and good times would probably be my choice just so I could have those moments as well. Yeah. Uh, three's company or welcome back. Cotter three's company. I love Lucy, Lucy show or here's Lucy. Oh, I love Lucy. You know, what's interesting when I grew up, I didn't care for, I love Lucy because I was growing up watching the Lucy show and here's Lucy. Yeah. And you'd only see a little bit of I love Lucy in syndication, but now I'm, I'm with you. I think I'd go with I love Lucy. I'm a huge uh, William Fall Frawley fan, which, yeah. you know, he was absent. He was doing my three sons. Most of the time those shows were on. Yeah. Laugh in or hee haw. Oh, wow. Hee haw. Hee -haw. Me too. Yeah. 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 Uh, Tales from the crypt or tales from the dark side. Oh man. Oh, that's <laughs> tough. Love them both. Tells from the dark side. Uh, I vacillate probably yeah. there. Last one, F Troop or McHale's Navy? F Troop. F Troop. Okay. 
for your Saturday morning lineup. <laughs> you can watch either all of the Warner Brothers shows. Yep. And for those who don't know, that'd be like Roadrunner, Bugs Bunny, so Looney forth. Tunes. Yep. All of the Disney stuff, Mickey Mouse, yep. Donald Duck, Goofy, or all of the Hanna-Barbera. I'm Flintstone. so glad you gave me the Hanna-Barbera option. It's a no-brainer. Hanna-Barbera for the win. Yeah. Yeah. I, although I never outgrew and still haven't Bugs Bunny and the Roadrunner. So, um, yeah. So here's the deal. Here's the interesting thing for me. Bugs Bunny and the Roadrunner and all those shows, uh, all the Looney Tunes characters. For me, that wasn't Saturday morning viewing. I always passed on those shows because we had a local uh show in the mornings called hotel balderdash as you know the mom would turn on as we were getting ready for school and eating breakfast and it had some local television personalities harvey and cannonball and raymond and they would in between their little skits and gags we'd watch the looney tunes cartoons all the classic merry melodies so i was getting my fix for looney tunes weekdays and then on Saturdays, I'd, I'd stick with mostly Hanna-Barbera uh, filmation type cartoons, uh, typically trying to focus in on superhero mystery adventure kind of stuff. Right. OK, for your reading pleasure, you can read all the comic books you want, but from D.C. or Marvel. Anybody who knows me knows the answer to that question. It's D.C. Really? And okay. I'm the only D.C. fan in the Sunstrom home here. I have... Uh, Three boys, the, if they can choose between a DC and a Marvel movie, they're always going to watch Marvel. My wife is the same. Now, none of them are comic book readers. Uh, I read Marvel comics. There's a couple that I really love, Spider-Man, uh, Daredevil uh, in particular, some Incredible Hulk. But I grew up on Batman in the 60s, and, and for that reason, I was the comics I was reading in the 70s was Batman, uh, Justice League, a little bit of Superman, uh, that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, for your music, pick a decade, 50s, mm. 60s, 70s, 80s. It's either 70s or 80s and probably 80s. Uh, okay. You know, you talked you talked a minute ago about how you refuse to believe that that's like the old, the 80s are old. In that's for me, 80s music is still new and contemporary. It's new wave for yeah. heaven's sakes. Well, okay. Um, that's where I kind of thought that's what you're going to do. So our mad scientist, he's, he's gotten a little nastier. Mm -hmm. You can have your 80s, but you can have rock, country, new wave, punk. What are you going to choose? Well, if I go rock, I can probably get a little overlap, right? I yeah. mean, there's some bands <laughs> that they were a little bit rock, a little bit new wave. I wouldn't go country. I, I have actually developed an affinity for some country music. But I certainly wasn't listening to it in the 80s. And uh, 80s music for me was definitely rock. I, I did listen to some punk, uh, but it was mostly new wave, like the Cars, Devo. B-52s, uh, I guess. Uh, yeah, definitely some B-52s in there, the Fix, those kind of bands. All right. Now, you, you're going to have to eat. So mm -hmm. for breakfast, uh, here's a disclaimer. Cornflakes, alphabets, checks, total, Wheaties, Rice Krispies don't count because they are reported to have been good for you and your grandmother actually likes some of these. I thought that was going to be my choices. I was a little bit worried. There. <laughs> no, here we go. Now, no particular order. You can have Frankenberry, Booberry, or Count Chocula. 
Oh, so I can only choose the three monster cereals. I'm going to go Count Chocula. Okay. My mom, my sister loved Frankenberry and Booberry. I was a big Count Chocula. I liked okay. it because I had chocolate milk when I was done, right? You'd, yeah. you'd have the cereal and then you'd have your chocolate milk afterwards. Okay. Now he's vacillating on this. Quisp or Quake? Boy, so I only probably had either of those a couple of times each. I can't even quisp just because I love the little character on it. Yeah, I was a quisp fan. Being a little bit older, it, it bumped me more into that whole controversy, yeah. that whole thing. Fruit Loops or Tricks? Uh, oh, man. Fruit Loops. Lucky Charm. Sam. Yeah, Lucky Charms or Fruity Pebbles. Well, there's your there's the the winning cereal of all time for me with Lucky Charms. If I ever had a choice to pick a cereal, it was Lucky Charms. Cocoa Puffs or Cocoa Pebbles? Cocoa Pebbles for my wife. She uh, loves Cocoa Pebbles. <laughs> okay, for your, for your chewing pleasure, Bubble Yum or Hubba Bubba? You remember those? Bubble Yum. Yes, sir. Bubble Yum. Yep, Bubble Yum. Juicy fruit or fruit stripe? Mm, fruit stripe. I'll go with juicy fruit. Yeah, um, you're, that's more the more classic choice for sure. Yeah. Wrigley spearmint or double mint? Mm. Ooh, that's tough. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to, since I love those double mint twin commercials, I'll say that I probably would have opted for the double mint. Gun. I think so too. Think about the double mint twins. Here yeah. Go, going in that, uh, a little more salacious way. <laughs> and we get to have a candy bar. Yeah. Almond, Almond Joy or Mounds? Mounds. Mounds. I like dark chocolate. Uh, Mars bar or Three Musketeer? Uh, oof. Tough call. I'll go Mars bar. Yeah, I, I think so, I'd go Three Musketeer. Yeah, here's the thing. If you were to ask young Dave Sundstrom. See, that's that's one of those where the taste has definitely changed. I was a big Three Musketeers candy bar consumer as a kid. And it was as a kid, I'd look at that Three Musketeers bar and it was it was usually bigger than the other bars. Yeah. By the way, they were all bigger back in the day. I don't know. Yeah. That's not my imagination. Right, Bill? Those. No, no, they were they were far bigger. But the um, Three Musketeers was bigger, so I would have gone. But as my tastes have changed and maybe quantity doesn't matter as much, I would probably go Mars now. Anyway, keep going. Sorry. Red Hots or Lemon Heads? Ooh, Lemon Heads. Really? My wife, I'm, I'm Red Hots. I was never into real sour tart stuff. And uh, my wife was into that. But she also hated hot stuff. But she said she loved Red Hots. So, uh, but no, me even sweet tarts i was yeah if you had asked if you'd thrown hot tamales in instead of red hots that Uh, would have been the answer uh marathon or twix bar marathon yes you remember those old marathon commercials where the with the cowboy i do everything fast (laughs) (laughs) um now, we are going to sneak a little bit of nutrition in here. For supper, you get a TV dinner. You can have a Swanson's Beans and Franks or the Swanson's Fried Chicken. Fried Chicken. Fried Chicken. Yep. To wash it all down, you can have Dr. Pepper or Mr. Pibb. Well, they taste the same, right? <laughs> we didn't have Mr. Pibb. Mr. Pibb is a real rarity in my area, my region. 
occasionally i'll encounter it in like a um, fountain and i'll see it there and i've had it a few times but it it would have been dr pepper that's really all that was available here yeah me too although mr pib was big down in mississippi it it, uh we got a lot there okay you are going to get to share your island with a special lady Mm. but we're just not sure who um now, if you choose from Gilligan's Island, Ginger or Marianne. So for the record, if my wife ever listened to this podcast, obviously for her, it's always her. She trumps all of these choices. <laughs> <laughs> but it's easily Marianne. Marianne. Yeah. Um, what a cutie. Well, earlier, Barbara Eden or Elizabeth Montgomery? Barbara Eden. Barbara Eden. Yeah. Ellie May or Pat Priest? Donna Douglas, we're talking hillbillies or monsters. Uh, hmm. That one's a tough one. Uh, I'm going to go Pat Priest on that one. Okay. Um, from Charlie's Angels. There's like five or six of them. Yeah. Oh, I get to I pick any one of them? Any one of them. Cheryl Ladd. Cheryl Ladd. Yeah. I've got... Jacqueline Smith down here too. And it's like, uh. yeah. And super nice. By the way, Jacqueline Smith, I'm always amazed if you go on Twitter, she almost weekly will hold just a open Q and a with her fans out there on Twitter. It's a super sweet lady. Three's company. Yeah. Just did I get to pick any of the actresses, any lady choice to win. Yeah, there you go. And then finally, WKRP in Cincinnati, Jan Smithers or Lonnie Anderson. Easy Bailey all the way Bailey for the win. Okay, you get here's one for you, Bill. Okay, I got to throw one back at you. Okay, since you didn't throw it my way, Buck Rogers in the 25th century, Wilma Deering or Princess Ardala? Probably Wilma. Uh, Most days it's Wilma for me. Every once in a while, I change my mind. Yeah, Um, I mean, it's not like you're going to lose by choosing any of them. (laughs) Uh, You get to have a four legged companion, you can either have Lassie. Or run, Joe, run, Joe, run, Joe, run. Oh, so I loved run, Joe, run. I, yeah. Joe was, I'm going Joe, even though, you know, lots of folks would pick Lassie. Anyway, I'll pick Joe. Okay. Canine, and, and we get a robot one too. Wow. Either uh, Muffet from Battlestar Galactica or Canine from Doctor Who. <sighs> canine for doc from doctor who on that one uh I, muffet kind of freaked me out and plus i know that it's inside muffet was a chimpanzee so i'm, I'm not <laughs> out uh with your regular robots you could have b9 from lost in space or rosie from the jetsons <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go animation here i'm gonna go uh, uh rosie rosie yeah. seems like she would take care of me yeah uh, Tweaky from Buck Rogers or Jaime, Jaime from uh, Get Smart. Oh, Tweaky. I love Tweaky. He's got a lot of sass. Um, okay. And then when you're rescued, if you want to be rescued, <laughs> it can either be by Wonder Woman or Electro Woman. Oh, as much as I like Electro Woman and Dinah Girl, I, I, Linda Carter, all the way. Oh, there you go. There you go. Um, 
well, that's it. And then in 10 years from now, you'll be rescued by Wonder Woman. What a relief. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought, well, this would be a fun way to sort of get to, to, to know a lot of your thoughts without having to really <laughs> plunge deep in. Um, I do have something here. Uh, remembering candy from the old days. Do yeah. you remember the candy cigarettes? Oh, of course. So they weren't allowed. Uh, I wasn't, you know, I couldn't walk in the house with candy cigarettes. I, I was raised in an LDS, a Mormon home. And so <laughs> cigarettes are definitely out, out, out of the question. But I went and bought them. Being the little rebel that I was, the corner market had them. Yeah. And we would go buy them and, and consume them before we, before and pretend like we were grown ups, you know. Because back in the '60s, that's what grown ups did. They they smoked. Yeah, and everybody, yeah. everybody in my house smoked. My mother smoked cigars. I mean, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's kind of house I grew up in. They, so, were, uh, they were cool. I mean, and I get it that it's a not you know not that was. There's something about right. If the marketers understand this with kids the just a little bit you know you're pushing the edge with something like that and kids just eat that up yeah at least i did oh yeah me too um you know i think that's that's pretty good this has been so much fun is uh i've just loved talking to you sharing this stuff uh uh, like say i've i've just my wife and I watch your program. I mean, we watch a couple of them every single day, and you got so many. Uh, <laughs> and, and but you've been doing this for like 10, 12 years or no, what? no. I my first uh, video like this in this kind of format came out in twenty eighteen, I think. So oh, okay, four years. Four years. I I may I'm just I guess I misread. I thought you'd started in twenty ten or something. Yeah, there's videos out there from 2010, but they're very, very different. Oh, okay. Okay, that's that's what I saw. Okay, yeah. that, that's what it was. All right. Well, um, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners? Well, I would just say uh, my channel is easy to find over there on YouTube. If you want to check it out, it's Dave Sundstrom. You spell Sundstrom with a D, S-U-N-D-S-T-R-O-M. But uh, I would love for folks to come over. That's why we create these things, why you do a podcast and why you do the the amazing art that you do, Bill, which, by the way, I've just hit your website. And uh, when you initially reached out to me and just looked at what you've done and what a talented artist you are. Uh, but you know, that's why we do these things is we want people to see our work and appreciate our work. And in my case, I, I, I just want to be able to people to connect emotionally the same way that I do with these, you know, nostalgically with, uh, these shows, whether it's uh, television shows mostly, but music and movies sometimes as well from decades gone by. So definitely check it out. And, and then I would say to you, Bill, thank you so much for providing this venue for me today to come and visit. And it's, you know, the hour has flown by, flown by. Yeah. Like seriously, I could sit here and talk to you for another couple hours and, and it would just be an absolute delight, but thank you so much for the invitation. You are quite welcome. And uh, uh, thank you so much. And I'll just close with saying, you know, I'm Bill Wilson and I'm the Arthropologist. If you enjoyed this episode of the Arthropologist, There are more episodes on YouTube. To see my work, you can visit my website, billwilsonstudio.com. 
where I have my books, prints, and originals for sale. I am a portrait painter and illustrator, and there you can contact me about commissioned work. I'm Bill Wilson, and I'm the anthropologist.